Welcome back to the podcast on everything. Today's episode is The Last Dance, episode 7 and 8, recap with Zahid. How's it going, guys? It's been a while. Um, hope everyone's being safe. Uh, not going too crazy over this quarantine. Hopefully we can get back to some normalcy, but let's talk about some um, good documentary that's keeping us kind of, you know, alive through this uh, time pretty much. Yeah. Um, basically, it's not just the sports world that this has taken over. It's oh, yeah. everything. ABC News is talking about it and Good Morning America's and all that. So e- ESPN does like an hour pre-game, post-game after the – um, the show is done, and they bring in all the guests that was in the pre- previous series, which is pretty cool. I didn't catch last Sunday's, but I ca- caught the Sunday before. Um, they had uh, a couple of the reporters talking about Jordan and his past, but that's uh, no, pretty interesting, man. It, it's a really well-done documentary. Yeah, and I hope when they make the DVDs, they put all these interviews of, like, John, Sally, and Patrick Ewing all mm-hmm. together. Isaiah Thomas, yeah. Yeah, because um, you're just hearing, like, all these cool stories come out in addition to the stories that you just kind of got exposed to for the first time. Hey, almost um, – it's funny, like, from, like what they did in, back in the 90s and the 80s, all the new players, they make it seem like they're kids. Like, <laughs> like the things that they pull, like Rodman or, like, you know, the Pistons. Um, Compared to, like, these – teams nowadays with the Warriors, they're like, you know, cookie cutter players. Like they don't really are not edgy like they were back in the day. You know what I mean? So it's kind of crazy. Yeah. A thing that happened this week is um, Draymond Green talked about Shaq Mm -hmm. and Shaq came out and was like, dude, man, in our era, you wouldn't have been like, we wouldn't have played you because you would have been a six or seven. (laughs) You're not even like on our level. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and it's true. Like, the amount of physicality there was, like, the one thing that kind of this uh, series debunked was, like, oh, Jordan got all the calls. Like, maybe he did, but he did get pushed around a lot, even in his all his championship. Like, he was getting killed underneath, like, um, and, like, people say, like, oh, Jordan paid the way for, like, the ticky-tack fouls. Like, no, it wasn't him. It was, you know players after him that kind of like whined and complained about fouls every, every time they drove the net, like Jordan took it and, you know, kind of played even better afterwards. Yeah. And I think some of that, that you brought up brings up like owners and just the market, the marketability that Jordan created for the league Mm -hmm. was like, all right, we have these superstars that we can really promote for around the world. We can't let them get hurt with, you know, stuff. So maybe that kind is, a way that people say that like Jordan started it, but you watch this video, he didn't start anything. Like he's getting destroyed out there mm-hmm. by today's standards. Oh yeah. Funny. I mean, he, yeah. Compare like James Harden, James Harden is the softest player compared to like any player in the nineties. Probably like he, like, only thing that's comparable is scoring, but the league's changed so much, people don't play defense anymore or can't play defense anymore. So you're going to score 40 points a game, you know, and, you know, you're on the record book, Harden is as good point, you know, scoring as Jordan, but he's nowhere close to being a Jordan, you know what I mean? It just – Yeah, 
Yeah, and if you put, all right, so Jordan took the same amount of shots, but all threes. Mm-hmm. His numbers are going to be yeah. better than Harden. Yeah. But he took twos. So like, yeah. overall, your field goals may be the same amount. But you're taking ones that have are worth more points compared to this other guy. So, yeah, you're, you might be hitting 35% from the three, but, you know, if Jordan is 45 from two, it kind of evens out. That's why you're scoring more points or about the same point as Jordan. But, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, it just makes me angry watching it. Like, I kind of forgot how much I loved basketball back in the 90s. And I thought that I grew older and kind of like, mm, you know, kind of lost interest in basketball. Uh, but I, re- I realized why I lost interest because like, the players and the quality of game just went down. It just wasn't entertaining. It's not entertaining anymore. Yeah. And what you're realizing, and we're going to cover throughout this, is just like how much these teams didn't like each other. Oh, yeah. Like, on the court, they hated each other. <laughs> I mean, Rodman going to the Bulls was a big thing, and Rodman wasn't even a superstar. He was, like, a defensive player, but, like, that wasn't their addition. You know, compared to now, like, that's nothing. That's, like, getting uh, Tobias Harris, <laughs> you know. You know, the way, like, players nowadays, like, switch teams, like, su- like three superstars together, that wasn't happening back in the day. You know, this is unheard of. Excuse me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it just, it's good to compare. Like, you, you kind of, like, realize, like, yeah, I, I did like basketball a lot, you know, and it's not because I don't like it anymore because I'm older now. It's because the quality has gone down. So, it's like I don't want to go – I don't want to turn on a TV right now and see a player go half court and chuck up a three with five seconds in the shot clock. It's like, all right, you didn't do shit. Like – Bash the triangle offense, but that was fun, like passing and kind of deceiving the other other team, and everyone pre- is pretty much a scorer at that point, you know. And, and that offense, it's like, that's a you know pretty cool thing to see, you know. Yeah, and yeah, appreciate it because they had to have a strategy. They had certain people that could only do certain things because mm-hmm. not everyone grew up with like personal trainers and mm-hmm. AAU for you know, top-level competition for 30 years and eating mm-hmm. the best things. So you had, like, certain people had certain roles, and you had to work along that to make your team successful. And one of the things that made Jordan great is, like, his first four or five years, he was basically AI, like, you know, I'm going to ball first, I'm going to score as much as possible, it's going to go through me. And it was funny, like, the previous – I know we we're talking about the previous episode, but the first – I think the third episode or the second – they were saying why Doug Collins got fired because, like, he didn't have any plan of how to run the offense. Everything was go go to Michael, go to Michael, go to Michael. And it worked during the season to go to the playoffs, but once everyone just concentrated on Michael, he had nowhere to go. And then you realize, like, he, the, the Doug Collins never really changed his style of coaching. He, he just, like, if he had one superstar in his team, he just used that player to win or lose, basically, there was no like game plan for his like, you know, tra- you know, for his teams or anything like that. Yeah, and you can be successful, but you can't win championships with that because mm-hmm. the top level teams know how to shut a player down or just let them mm-hmm. hit their points and not be a factor. Yeah, and like then, and after Doug Collins left, it's like 
he already at that point Jordan already won MVP, I think maybe one or two All Star. So he was already established. And Phil Jackson came and was like, "Hey, we got to change the way you play because it's working somewhat. But it's, if you don't involve other players, we're not going to win the championship." And he was like, "All right, that's my main goal. Like, who's other? It, you know, what other superstars ego would be enough where like they're like, all right, I want to let my scoring down a little bit." So we can win a championship. Right now, I could see no one. Maybe LeBron. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. Because now he's like at the end of his career, and I but, think he has to solidify his championships. Mm-hmm. But like, if, if that was like four years into Michael's career, four years into LeBron's career, I don't think he would make that sacrifice. You know, as a twenty-two-year-old, hell no. No, exactly. It would be all about him. So I mean, that's where you see the difference. Like when people argue like, oh, LeBron is good as Michael, I'm like, maybe he is, but athletically, but mentally, he's way below Michael. Like, there's no comparison. Yeah, and you just yeah, you just see it with, like, the stupid controversy he gets in. Mm-hmm. Stupid like, shit he says. And it's like, you know, Michael didn't, like you said, like, Michael didn't get away with, you know, nothing. Like, media didn't leave him alone. And, he was always scrutinized, like uh, as we're going to talk about episode seven. Like everything he did was under a microscope. So LeBron or the superstars nowadays can't say like, "Oh yeah, like you know he had it easy." Like no, he didn't have it easy. No, like LeBron had it super easy when he got Draymond mm-hmm. suspended for calling right. him a bitch. Yeah, and pretty much. Yeah, in the championship game. Like game, I think it was game four. Four. They were up at that point, and then that just destroyed the whole series pretty much. Yeah, but I'm like, you you got him suspended for like – Trash talking. And you're okay, and it was – called you a bitch. Like, yeah. really? <laughs> yeah, and you call you telling him makes you even bigger bitch pretty much. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, it's like imagine, you know, Jordan going complaining to the to David Stern – that Bill Lambier called him, uh, you know, a bitch or something like that. It'll be so laughable. I think the next game he will get is I like you know, sucker punch or something. Like that shit does not did not stand back in the day. Like now it's like oh, I'm LeBron. I'm above everyone else. Like back in the day, yeah, Michael won a, MJ won, um, you know, um, MVP. But Pistons were like, yeah. F you. I'm not gonna. I don't care if you want if you want MVP or All Star MVP, uh, dunk chad, dunk, dunk you know champion. I'm. We're gonna crush you every time you come in the net. So, <laughs> like, imagine now if that happened to someone. Like, say like Ben Simmons won the wins MVP this year, and then wins All Star MVP next year, and then he plays in the playoff game and he gets crushed every time going. Like, they're gonna start calling and get you know, you know, against the other team because. Simmons is the new MVP. They're going to protect him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, people would be suspended like the bounty gate with mm-hmm. uh, the Saints. Yep, pretty much. I like, mean, that's that, what – Yeah, it was well known that, like, they were doing that to Jordan. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. And one had, like, what they had happen. Yeah, it's like everyone key in on Jordan, like, beat him up when he's under the net. And they admitted to it. So pretty much it was a bounty. Like, they didn't say money-wise, but they were like, yeah, we're going to – just screw you over every time. Yeah, and it was acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> and now coaches are suspended for a whole year because of it. <laughs> whole year, and then, like, the defense coordinator got suspended for, like, more than a year. Yeah, I don't even know if he's even in the league. He is. Right. He uh, he coached the uh, Browns as an interim coach, remember? After uh, 
Okay. It was a Baker Mayfield's rookie year. Uh, yeah, he was a defensive coordinator. But uh, he's back. But, yeah, it, it, it's just a different different world that we live in. Um, shoot, hold on. I got... But, uh, yeah, it's interesting um, how sports change so quickly. You know what I mean? I mean, it's part partially is because the amount of money the owners invest on these players, they also baby the players. So, like, the owners have a lot. Of, it's, it's not just the <laughs> – it's not just the uh, um, um, the players that dictate how how a referee should call something. I bet you it's the owners also. Like, if you hurt my you know best player, you're gonna hear about it, or you know, I want to do this and that and that. So I'm sure owners have a big input on what's going on. Oh yeah, because sports is so worth so much now. Yeah, you have to you you basically have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um. But, uh, all right, you ready to get into episode seven? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so it starts off, they talk about his confrontational leadership style. Mm-hmm. And basically, his, they just show highlights of him, not, and him, Jordan, not in the best light, just relentlessly pushing people, like, to the edge, specifically Scott Burrell. <laughs> I feel like, like he was like, yeah, that was my guy I was going to pick on the whole year in 1998, or 97, 98. Um, I think, like, for Jordan, like, that's a way of showing affection to his teammates. Like, he wasn't a fuzzy, loving guy in general. Uh, him making fun of you or going at you during practice is just showing that I care. I want I want you to be better. Like he said on, on the episodes, like, it's like he, he had so much potential. He could be so much better. So I always pushed him to be better and better and better. But you know Scott Burrell would never push back because he's such a nice guy. But nice guy. But uh, that's what Jordan wanted. It was like a reaction from him. Yeah, and here's some quotes about Jordan on the topic. He says, "Winning has a price, and leadership has a price." I pulled people along where they didn't want to be pulled, which is exactly right. Like, mm-hmm. and then he talked about um, like what do people say about your leadership style? And he's like, well, "They've never won anything," <laughs> and that that's like exactly right. Like, yeah, you're talking to the guy that's won all these championships. Like, yeah, how can I disprove him? It's like, who are you to, like, it, Jordan? You know, if say like, it's not magic in his prime coming in and playing with Jordan. It's like, you can't tell me that you're better than me because I, I've won all these championships. Um, so like, you know, Steve Kerr Kerr comes in or um. Luke Longley comes in like, yeah, they haven't proven anything. I've on, I've done all these stuff. If you're not up to my level, you're gonna hit talk. You're gonna listen to me, and you're gonna have to follow what I say because I've gone through all this. I've done all these things. Yeah, and he's he's basically like, I made this team what they are. Mm-hmm. Like, where people want to be here. Mm-hmm. This is this is what I'm gonna expect from you. If you can't meet it. We're not going to win. Yeah. So like, and, yeah. So, like, put your big pants on, Scott Burrell, and <laughs> meet me on the court. And he had one playoff game in which they showed he scored, like, 23 points. Yeah, exactly. So, I yeah. mean, that's what you need. Like, that's what he was getting out of. Like, if he could get, like, five of his bench player to win 10 games, that matters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Paxton back in the day in, in 93 with the shot. You know what I mean? Like – 
you have to push these players, these role players, because if you don't, they don't feel they're part of the team and they can't – They're when it's in time for clutch, they're going to look at Jordan. If Jordan's pushing them that much, they're like, okay, I could, they have the confidence to be like, all right, it's time for me to, you know, rise up and, and prove that I'm also worth, you know, being in this team. Yeah, and, like, you can just look at the playoff games that he talks about when – they're just double team and Jordan can't do anything. Yeah. They're going to rely on these others. Mm-hmm. But they haven't been pushed or had the experience of being in that role yep. with their back against the ball. And, like, they have to, like, come through. Mm-hmm. They're not going to come through. No, and um, it's crazy. Like, they were showing, like, how he got on his teammates in practice. Like, then they were saying, yeah, he was always the one who's pushing harder than anyone else. Like I, I remember a quote, uh, where he said, um, "I he, Jordan mentioned like I never asked someone to do something that I didn't do." So it's like lead by example. It's like yeah. he didn't, you know. So like no one could be like, "Oh, Jordan just saying," but he's not doing it. Like not only did he push people, he pushed himself even harder to be in that you know position. Yeah, and that's like what you look for in a leader. Yeah. Like, do you look for someone that? they brought in from outside that hasn't gone through the trenches mm-hmm. telling you to do that. Mm-hmm. No, you want someone that is willing to go in there with you, you know, and walk through the mud and all that. Exactly. And I think that's where he got the respect where like, yeah, I'm telling you to do all these shit, all this extra work and lifting weights, but it's not like I'm just telling you and I'm leaving and going to my meet, you know, other businesses or whatever i'm doing it with you and i'm doing it better than you so keep up with me kind of deal you know what i mean so yeah i know it's that that kind of leadership is not for everybody Mm. but at the same point no leadership quality is for everybody no if if jordan had somebody else as a coach it may not have been as successful no if it wasn't phil jackson where phil jackson knew when to pull him back and the one to let him go. Like, um, I, I don't know if you want to talk about the Steve Kerr incident, which kind of ties um, not in. Yeah. Not yet. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll go back in that one. But yeah, like, but, uh, Phil Jackson knew, like, he had to let Jordan kind of roam and do his thing because that's the way he kind of got through people. And that's the way he, Jordan got motivated himself. But then there was times where Phil Jackson, take him aside like hey you can't do that michael he's like you're crossing the line <laughs> and then mj's like all right yeah i know i did but um yeah i mean if you didn't have that kind of coach if you say jordan had chuck daly i don't think that would have worked because chuck daly was too of a you know dictator coach than phil jackson i feel yeah or if you had someone that was too loose yeah like duck collins yeah like someone that would let him get away with saying everything that he wanted all the time. Exactly. I think that something that that worked that um, worked out really well is like, even though Phil Jackson um, was a rookie when he started coaching, I think Jordan had respect for him from the get go. So, you know, the, with a lot of superstar, if you had a rookie coach coming in, like LeBron, like, do you think Tyron Lue really coached that team in Cleveland when they won? Well, how was he the last out of them? Like, it wasn't that much longer. Yeah, and he's out. Uh, so it's like, 
most superstars nowadays, even back in the days, if it was a rookie coach, it's the superstar who runs the team. Jordan let Phil Jackson kind of, you know, grow and become a coach and they work together, which kind of worked at that, you know, I think that understanding. Yeah. I think what also helped him was the fact, well, what helped my, Phil Jackson was the fact that he won championships before. Yep. He did the, uh, what was it? ABA? Not ABA. Uh, um, he won with the Knicks twice. I think it was the Knicks. And then he did coach like a G League team to a championship. Uh, yeah, so he was there. He 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 was there. He's done it. Yeah, him. He's not like mm. you know, a coach fresh out of the water. Playing, yeah, stop playing at age thirty-one and then mm. into coaching. Well, yeah, it was kind of interesting. Like, you never we never really talked about that. Like, did Jordan have respect for him because Jackson won uh, championship uh, with the Knicks before? So it's like Jordan's like, all right, this guy has won as a player. We actually listen to him, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's pretty interesting, I think. Yeah, so Tyron Lue lasted six games <laughs> after <laughs> after the boom <laughs> left. They, stayed, they started the season 0-6 and, and he got fired. Oh, my God. That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Tyron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is why these two episodes are my favorite. Uh-huh. I didn't want to preface that in the beginning, although it might have sounded better. For listen <laughs> <laughs> to my favorite two po- episodes, yeah. but it gets into the murder of MJ's father. Yeah, I think they kind of cover it really well. Um, it, it was, I mean, we all knew he was murdered. We never really knew, and he was missing for he was missing for a while. Mm-hmm. And this is the day. Or the time before cell phones and stuff. Yeah, you could just get in touch with somebody like that. Exactly, you had to like wait yeah. around and see what you know. Get a, like if you didn't get a house phone call or whatever, it's like all right, maybe he's out or whatever. Yeah, and you, you were given that freedom, mm-hmm. and he used it. But then you know it's gone a little bit too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, MJ's best friend was supposed to pick him up. He mm-hmm. wasn't with everything, and they're like at the airport and like, Hey, maybe you got stuck, you know, doing something. Shit happens. Yeah. Yeah. And it was expected. And then all of a sudden it's been like weeks and no one has seen or heard from him. To be honest, I didn't know it was that long. I thought it was like murder. They found out and that was it. I didn't realize it was a search for him and everything. Yeah. I thought it was a couple of days. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. Um, no, it, it, it just, it, it, it does go in like, I knew like Jordan was close to his dad, but it just goes into how close he was actually with his dad and how it affected him and everything. Yeah, and you see him super emotional, and then they take it back to the time frame of you know just winning the championship in between mm-hmm. that and the mm-hmm. next year, mm-hmm. like how it's affecting him. That yeah, he's watched every basketball championship that he's played. Mm-hmm. His what his goals were, but then also with it just the toll it took on MJ when they're talking about, is it MJ's gambling that caused his father's death? Yeah. Like they're just putting stuff like it's crazy. Like how the media was like doing the same thing they're doing now, like fit in fabricating stuff and trying to get like the ratings or the readership, you know? And like, it's crazy. Cause like if it, MJ really didn't say much 
when he got criticized, like when those things came in, which is kind of crazy. Like, all right, you're gonna talk. Doesn't matter because all that matters, like people I care about, doesn't think that, and people who wrote those things are trying to find something anyway. So I don't really care. Which is like pretty cool highway, to, high road to take. You know what I mean? To yeah. not not go crazy against the media and be like make a spectacle out of it, which the media wanted. You know. Yeah, um, Tyler, who was on the podcast last week, talked about the conspiracy of gambling, which was brought up, I think, by Andrea Kramer about how it was all mm-hmm. together. And Michael Jordan, um, another person, and then David Stern all denied that that mm-hmm. was. So, yeah, I mean, it did he gamble a lot? Probably uh, more than other players. Um, why, why was it so covered? Maybe because it was like five years after Pete Rose or maybe, you know, five, six years because Pete Rose got caught mid eighties and he was a superstar hall of famer. So that could be the fresh in people's minds. Like, well, you know, in baseball, Pete Rose did it and he got suspended. What if Michael's in the same thing, you know? Same kind of caliber of player, hit you know, Mister Hit Leader of MLB. So you could kind of put him on the same level, and they were both big gamblers. So I could see back in the day the mindset of people like the correlation going through like, oh, he goes to Atlanta City between you know games against New York Knicks and they're losing O two. It's like, is he that desperate for gambling money or whatever? Like, I can understand the speculation, but to say that like his dad got killed because of it is kind of ridiculous. Like there's no proof anywhere that he was just like going crazy in Vegas and spending all this money where he owed people money. He was like, yeah, if I, I think he did a interview with Ahmad Rashad um, before game in the, in, before the first game against the sun. He's like, yeah, if I, if I was gambling, I would, you know, I wouldn't be here. Like I won't be playing because if I had a gambling problem, because I'll be selling everything in my life to still gamble. It's like he's like, do I gamble? Yeah, but you know, I have the resources to do that and still have enough money. So, so I'm just reading up about the death mm-hmm. of James Jordan. Okay, it is. There's so many things that like they didn't mention, mm-hmm. which I guess is a good thing. Yeah. Um. So, they there was two men. Mm-hmm. So he pulls off to the side of the road, like they say. Yeah. Um. Michael Jordan recently purchased a car for him, a red Lexus. Yeah. The license plate was UNC zero zero two three. Okay, so all right. So, these two men may have like known yeah, whose car it was. Yeah, put two and two together. Yeah. They saw him sleeping in his car. And um, they they decided to you know take some things from them. Mm-hmm. They took two championship rings, uh-huh. and they they made several phone calls on. And I was wrong. James Jordan had a cell phone. Oh, so he did have a cell phone. Okay. Yeah, they made phone calls on his cell phone. Oh wow! Um, I guess they didn't realize they could try <laughs> cell phone calls. Back yeah. in the day. Um, so, yeah, one was named, we'll just say the last name, is Green and Demery. 
Uh-huh. Emery said that they had planned only to tie him up, and then that Green pulled the trigger for just no reason. Oh, jeez. So it was a clusterfuck of uh, robbery, pretty much. Yeah, it seems like they could have, you know... Just taken stuff and then left. But, yeah. I mean, you're James Jordan, which is kind of weird. Like, why would you rest inside the road? You have all the money. I mean, I guess I know, like, parts of North and South Carolina, is there's nothing in between. Yeah. And back in the day, people did that. It was normal, I guess. Yeah, I don't know how many rest stops they had on this highway. It's not our, like the major I ninety five highway. No, it's not. It's one. It's across the border, but it's not. It was like a side road or smaller interstate, not interstate, but like local highway, pretty much. So, but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it, it's just the wrong place at the wrong time. What it seems like. Yeah, and I think they saw the car and they're like, "Oh man, like this car's on the side of the road." New Lexus added because it's a fancy car. Yeah, and then you know if that, and then I think they started putting a few things together. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know why mm-hmm. they decided to you know murder Kill unjustly. Yeah, yeah. No, it, 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 it affected obviously it affected Michael Jordan, you know, tremendously. Um, it was it was funny. It was saying like I was talking to my dad after I won my third championship that uh, it's and I'm going to retire. Um, so it was already in his mind even before his dad died. You know that he was going to be done. And then uh, I believe one of the reporter he talked to the year before when they were in Barcelona, and he told the reporter, "It's like yeah, uh, I want to retire now, but I'm not retiring now because I want to play in the Olympics." And he said, Magic and Bird didn't win three in a row. I don't win three in a row so, to make my, you know, uh, kind of standing in the pantheons. Yeah, and it's the competitive nature of that, yeah. which I wonder if they only won, like, one in a row. What if he has stopped at two? I'm yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Then? Like, yeah. That's crazy. I mean, it could be, like, it's so much pressure. Like, you – it's, like, everything – you were expected to do everything as a, in your, in, you know, with your team. Uh, you're like the end all be all of basketball. So, I mean, that's a lot to take. I mean, but yeah, like, if you think about it, like, after, if you see, like, someone now, like, if LeBron won three straight championship and then it's like, I'm retiring, I'm like, all right, you want everything you can. I guess you can retire now. But back in the day, it's like, well, I don't know. It, it was different. I don't, I don't understand. I don't know. I mean, it's more acceptable now than it was back in the day to retire all of a sudden. Yeah, and you get you get a lot of football players that do that. Mm-hmm. Not as many basketball and then big-name basketball players. Yeah. Well, and Jordan, Jordan was also saying, talking, saying, like, a lot of basketball players say, I'll, I'll, they have to carry me off for me to stop playing. And Jordan was like, why would I want to do that? I want to go two years before that happens, so I'm on the top of my game. Like, eventually, he did make a mistake by coming back as a wizard, and he wasn't the same. But at, at 98, when he did leave, he left two years before he was supposed to leave because he wanted to go on top. Yeah, so he he leaves, and it's like the biggest spectacle of all time. You have mm-hmm. – you Every probably, single media ever. Yeah, you wouldn't see, like, major news places. I mean, it was like Super Bowl, pretty much. Yeah. And even one of them's like, I don't know why we're doing this, but, you know, we're doing it because you guys obviously want to do it. 
I mean, so, they talk about his retirement. Um, a lot of people say, you know, a lot to do with his father not being around. Mm-hmm. So he just he just kind of needed a, like all the things we've mentioned. Yeah, like, the baseball. Well, it's funny because like he retired in September. He didn't start talking about baseball until that January or February. So he had like a couple months to kind of veg out and see what's going on. Yeah, and just get away from the limelight a mm. little. Uh, so he decides that his chance at baseball, and he gets signed by the White Sox organization, which, which is owned the Bulls. <laughs> yeah, so it was like, so basically the owner was like, all right, if you want to play baseball, play. You're going to play in my realm of what's going on. Reinsdorf, he was a smart man on this because yeah. he knew he was going to get tickets sold. He was going to get. A lot of cameras around. Exactly. It was worth it. Was worth it, even if MJ doesn't play. Yeah, like, just uh, on the pitch and is a DH or something. Well, and they were saying like when uh, he was going to other cities, it was sold out double A stadiums, pretty much. Yeah, and Reinsdorf talks about. Uh, I think it it might have been Ryan, Reinsdorf, the owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, normally you draft a person even. Mm-hmm. First round, they are in like the rookie league, and they move up. We couldn't with Jordan because, like you said, he's selling out so many things. We can't accommodate media and everything in a yeah. single uh, yeah. atmosphere, pretty much. Yeah, so he had to, unfortunately for him, start in Double A, which mm-hmm. is like really good, especially. Um, You're playing against players who's been playing for three, four years, or not three, maybe two years. Already, and they're under their belt, you know? Yeah, and it's, it's going to be especially tough for him. Mm-hmm. 14 years removed from playing baseball. Yep. And not in baseball shape, as they talk about. It's a completely different thing compared to basketball yeah. shape. And he, his trainer was like, yeah, we have to retrain everything, basically. Yeah. So uh, something they didn't mention, but we talked about, mm-hmm. he arrived four days left in spring training. Which is crazy. It's like... You had you didn't even train with your team for a month, and you just jumped in. Yeah. So then spring training ends, and he starts off on a thirteen game hitting streak. Yeah. Phenomenal by any standards, but you find out it was like a lot of fastballs. Like they just pitchers just adjusted to it afterwards, pretty much. Yeah. And then he had then you know he would have to adjust, but again, it is year one of him, and um, Fra- Terry Francona. I think two-time World Series champion manager Terry Francona, yeah. manager, and and then he coached the Phillies afterwards. Yeah, yeah. and he, he talked about man, I've never seen a guy work so hard in my life, and how successful Michael Jordan could be if he sticks with it. He had he said if he had fifteen hundred at bats, he would have made the major, which is crazy. Yeah, I feel like in two more years at age yeah. thirty-four, he's a major leaguer. Yeah. Like, Basically, when he's built up to MLB status, um, now it's funny because um, what was it? Um, he the re the I think the reason he it did help him to play that year in baseball is he just said that it was different from basketball because like you travel with the team all the time, so it's not the media following you or you're not your family, your entourage not following you. You're just hanging out with the guys, and the guys kind of treat him like a next player then like oh Michael Jordan I gotta like talk differently to him like they treat him as one of the guys and I think he needed that change of pace 
to just to refresh his mind and then come back to basketball because I think he would just the pressure and like how he was treated as like a god. I think it got to him because like he just it it you know it, it, you need another like opinion after a while. It's like am I like doing like what can I do different to keep this going? So I think that him coming down to earth kind of helped him just kind of re you know rejuvenate himself. But uh, yeah. So during his absence. Um, the Bulls aren't that bad. They show Pippen as a legit leader. They like to play. The first year, yep. Yeah, they make it to the playoffs. They lose Horace Grant during this year. No. The first year he he was playing with them. That's why they were good. Second year they lost Horace Grant. Without him? Yep. Okay. So Horace Grant played. It was Pippen, Kukoc, Grant. Um, yeah, so, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, so, um, they're in the playoffs. They're, they're doing it. okay. Yep. And. Was it game three or something against the Knicks? Game three. Yeah. Game three against the Knicks. And it's a crucial game. You know, game threes always are. Yep. And they have Tony Kukoc at this time. Mm-hmm. Who is starting to be pretty good. You remember Tony Kukoc? We talked about it the last couple episodes. Yeah. Um, he was like the best European player back in the day. Yeah. And he's been a clutch shooter for this team in the last few seconds. A couple games. Yeah. So there's a few seconds left. I think 1.8, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. And Phil Jackson says, all right, we're giving the ball to Tony. And, like, that's it. And Pippen does not like it. Pippen yeah. is on the bench, and they're like, "Where's Pippen? Like, go in." And he's like, "I'm not. I'm not going in." That's so out of character. I don't know, but yeah. So you know, they like screw him. All right, we'll throw somebody else in. And then Tony makes a shot, and they're yeah. all excited. But now like, everyone's pissed off in the locker room, pretty much. Yeah, like when they just should have been like this sweet, cohesive group. Like, they have a splinter, like, right through them from mm-hmm. their leader. And Bill Cartwright um, talks to Pippen and just makes them cry. Mm-hmm. So he let us down. That's what he said. I mean, that, that affects the team. I think they never – they did go to game seven, but they never recovered from that. You know what I mean? Because, like, you lose a part of, like, respect for your leader. It's like, why would I want to play for him when he doesn't want to play for me when it counts? Because his ego is too big. Yeah, and Pippen, he regrets it, but he says he would still make the same decision. Yeah, that's boneheaded comment that he made. Yeah, and that, that blew my mind. I was like, what do you mean? Like, Yeah, why would you want to sit at, like, it wasn't a play that was done deep differently. You made a clear mistake of, like, thinking you're bigger than the team and sitting out. And look, made yourself look like a fool. If you do it again, you do this. Everyone would think the same thing. I like you. Would, I don't know how you. Would, he said that I would do the, do, this, do the same thing again. That's weird. Yeah, and you look at some of the championships that the Bulls have won. Hmm. Every shot was Michael Jordan's. It was uh, never Pippen. You never see a clutch shot from Pippen. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah, he would give it up to Paxton. Mm. You know, and others, but like I don't remember any clutch shots that Pippen did. Well, he, he had good games, but it was with Michael. It wasn't like any last minute shot that was going through Pippen. Yeah, so you give it to the people that you know have yeah. an experience and can handle it. It's like Big Shot Bob. You know, Robert Ory. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, like, it's just like, you know, Kobe knew he was the guy, but if it's like a couple minutes, a couple seconds left, like it's you know, you knew it was going to go to Kobe or Robert Ory because they made shots. You know, Robert Ory wasn't a cha- you know a superstar, but he was that role player who, who could is not afraid to take that shot. Same thing with Tony Kukoc. Like that's Phil Jackson knew that. Yeah, and your goal is to win the game. Yeah, it's not about personal goals; it's about the team goal. Yeah, and yeah, they talk about it, and it kind of is like, man, that's like a huge like. Pippen's going to regret that. Jordan mm-hmm. says he's going to regret it, like, for the rest of his life. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think Jordan was like, yeah, that's not a good move. I mean, that would never happen if Jordan was playing. <laughs> like, that, it'd be like, yep, uh, Kukoc's getting the shot. You know, if you see MJ getting a better, better spot, give it to him, but Kukoc is the main guy. And I don't think MJ would have any issues with that, even as a leader. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, I think that kind of defied who Pippen was. It, it still probably um, as like a second fiddle to everyone else. Um, but uh, going back to um, Jordan playing baseball for a little bit, I wonder why he did it. Other than the love of the game, do you think he was trying to be a super double sports superstar? Like back in the day, at that time, it was Bo, and then Dion was doing the same thing. Do you think he was trying to do the same thing? Like, well, if they could do it as a superstar, I could do it better. I think a little bit because he knew he was good enough at baseball that he could try it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we talked about it last week, but he was really good at, like, throwing a football. Like, he could have been, like, a wide receiver. Yeah. So I think it was always in his mind that he could do it as the competitive person. Yeah, crossover to another sport. Yeah, but he's like, I'm more than just a basketball player. Like, I'm an athlete, I mm-hmm. think. So that might have also been part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was something in my mind when I was watching that last on Sunday. Yeah, and his um, his baseball stats aren't the best, but Terry Francona breaks it down. He's like, he had, like, 51 runs. He's like, and I – some of my best players don't get that kind don't of Don't have that first year, yeah. Or yeah, that year. That's some of the best prospects didn't have that much. So Yeah, so he has the potential to do it. Yeah. Um, and the Bulls are proven that they're not as successful Yeah. without Jordan. They need Jordan to take that extra step. To motivate them, to push them. Yeah. And then it goes um, – Season um, – we'll go into episode eight. Mm-hmm. But Jordan's basically ready for a year two in baseball. Um, the, the strike cupped out probably. Yeah. <laughs> the bull season is winding down. They're not that successful. They're hovering around 500. I think they were 34 and 31. Yeah. Um, at the time when something happens in baseball. They've lost Horace Grant, so they lost a big chunk of their – of their offense that, you know, is really tough. Mm-hmm. They lost basically the Rodman of the first three championships. 
Yeah, they lose them to the Magic, who is an up-and-coming team with a lot of good players. They had the best record, I think, that year. Yep. Because you have the and young Shaq, Penny, Anderson, and then Horace Grant. Yeah, that's more than enough than what you need. Yeah. So, the fact that they lost to old Houston team, it's pretty, still shocks me, to be honest. I think mean, it was just their time. Like, I, don't, I don't know if Elijah was – I've never seen Elijah in, that, in his prime. I guess he was that good. But Shaq is way bigger and stronger than Elijah. And I, was, I don't know how he got outplayed by Hakeem. Yeah, I think Elijah was just a smarter athlete at the time. And he had the outside game, too, where Shaq didn't have that. Yeah, Olajuwon, he's now in the league at that time. Ten years, mm-hmm. nine, ten years. And he's also been to two championships in yep. college. Yep. So, he's, he's not, you know, and he was on the dream team. He was on the dream team, yep. Um, did Olajuwon get drafted with Jordan, or was it Drexler? He was the first pick in the draft. Olajuwon was, because Drexler was a point guard for Houston? No, Blazer. Portland. Portland. Oh, that was different, because they got the other guy. Yeah, uh, that didn't come do anything. Uh, yeah, yeah. The other thing is, we don't need another Clyde Drexler on our team. We'll <laughs> so let... you skip on Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, Which, uh, I don't know how good Sam Bowie was in college, uh-huh. but I'm like, I look at the stats of what Jordan did. He won a championship his freshman year mm. with a decent cast of characters. The next year, they were UNC was decent. His yeah. third year, they I think had two losses. And were the AP number one like the whole throughout year. the year? Yeah, yeah. So, so like he's got like the background. Any one player of the year, you know, like their year. Yeah, yeah. Like, why would you just not take him? <laughs> yeah, like you figure it out afterwards. Like, I don't get it. It's like, yeah. but yeah. And then uh, I, I don't know. I'm taking back a couple episodes back at when uh, Jordan said like, yeah, when they compared him to Clyde Drexler, I didn't like it at all. So he's a good player, but he's nowhere close to me, and he just like bashed him <laughs> even now. But like, no one could say anything. It's like, oh yeah, you're right. Uh, you're better than Clyde. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but anyways. Yeah, uh, but yeah. No, that that um, Magic team that year when the Bulls weren't that good, they were definitely high flying team. But um, it was it was kind of crazy, just like. If Major League didn't go on strike, do you think Jordan would have came back? Yeah, well, that's the thing where I was, yeah, I was going to bring in. So, like, Major League Baseball, they go on the strike, and MJ sticks with the players mm-hmm. and stays on strike. I think if it was not on strike, I think he would have played at least one more year in baseball. Yeah, same. And then if he wasn't, like, going to get a good, decent – chance in the pros he might have been like well then I'm done yeah back to baseball. I put my time yeah yeah because you got to look at his age in comparison to everybody else is he going to just go up and play like a year or two in the pros and then fizzle out yeah yeah because he's got to like basically he's going to a whole nother league so he's got to take a few years to learn mm-hmm. and if he's not good enough in those few years to stay up while he gets better He's going right back down. Yeah, I think it was a blessing in disguise that it uh, there was a strike because that how many ever games he played in the regular season in basketball and the playoff kind of helped him to have one of the best season the next year as any team in the NBA. You know, um, if he didn't have that kind of 
ease not easing, but like that short of a season to play basketball, I think the Bulls wouldn't have uh, had 72 wins the next year because um, that kind of motivated him to get even better. It's like, oh, man, I got to get up my game up. Yeah, they go through him kind of training because he's like he just sends a uh, a message to everybody like, I'm back. Like, that's yeah. it. And everyone knows what it means. Bulls are excited. They go on a tear. Mm-hmm. He's like up and down throughout the rest of the season, but they do enough to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then they play the Magic. And you see like he was – he was just too tired. They talk about. Yeah, he was spent. Like he, your body's not used to playing basketball for a year and a half, and you're playing competitive basketball, like playoff basketball, not just preseason basketball. <laughs> so, yeah, of course it's gonna affect him. So and he knew that too. Yeah, and you see him making mistakes that he wouldn't normally make, but the off season happens, and one of the greatest. Sports movies of all time. <laughs> it's, been, it's being filmed called Space Jam, and he had some stipulations. Dude, they made a whole gym for him, an inflatable gym for him to work out as like a stipulation. That's crazy. I mean, like if they didn't, he might have said no to the movie because yeah. he want he wanted to show everybody he could win again in ba- basketball. And if he didn't have this time to work out and retrain his body from baseball to basketball. Well, the director was saying like he would get his uh, calls for his shots at six in the morning. He'll do like six hours of like shooting. And then afterwards, he'll get into the gym, work out, do his weights. And then he'll get pickup game afterwards and play for three hours with all the superstars that he invited. Yeah, that to me was like so cool. That he was having like Reggie Miller and all these all these major Juan Howard, yeah, these big name players, yeah, and playing on the Warner Brothers lot basketball with him. It's a pickup and, game, yeah, yeah. I'm like, like we man, like the Olympic dream team practice that they mm-hmm. talk about, and these like scrimmages, like these are like the, some of the greatest games that have never been seen, yeah, by the public. Do you think it still happens with the new players? Uh, I don't. I think yeah. maybe a few of them get together and do something, but not at the level of they, the the intensity that was there. I don't think it happens now. It's more of a you know, you know, take it, you know, just like oh yeah, we'll just shoot around and be done with it kind of deal. But yeah, like you see, like Rodman, Miller, uh, who else was you, uh, Patrick Ewing, uh, like every superstar yeah. showed up. Yeah, you also had the ones that were acting in the film. So you had Sean Bradley, yeah, um, Charles Barkley, Charles Barkley, and uh, it was Very funny. Uh, I was talking to you about this, but uh, you know, all these players were like, "Oh, it's cool to play with Michael." You know, kind of pickup games. But Michael, in return, was kind of scouting everyone out and seeing everyone' weakness and strength, and kind of like you know, seeing how, how you should play for the next year and everything. That made him better. Yeah, and he also missed a lot of times to, like, you know, see tendencies and how they've mm. developed their game. So, yeah, I thought that was super smart mm. of MJ to be like, I'm also going to use this and scout them. <laughs> yeah, well, and then you guys see, like, he didn't – a lot of the players he probably bought in, brought in were young superstars that he didn't play for the last two years with or against. So he was like, I want to see what I'm, you know, getting into right now. So 
No, that's pretty smart. Like, you don't think that, but, like, he was just thinking ahead. And, you know, that kind of transitioned to that great year that the Bulls had pretty much. And right before the year, like, when they were in practice, they talk about Steve Kerr and Michael Jordan. Because Michael Jordan's like, I'm going to show these youngsters that, you know, they haven't won shit. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they, they're, like, what you said earlier, like, they didn't win anything. So he's going to, like, dog them in practice and make them realize what they need to do. And, yeah, they, they talk to Steve Kerr, and you find out that, you know, Steve Kerr didn't back down and gets in a fight with him, gets punched in the freaking eye. <laughs> Uh, he pushes Jordan, and Jordan just punches him, and the uh, sucker punches him. <laughs> yeah, and it comes to a lot of things you talked about. Like, sometimes um, Phil Jackson knows when to do it, and he kicked him out of practice. Yep. And okay. you knew that Phil Jackson was pushing his buttons because, like, so Phil Jackson put Kerr to cover Jordan, one, and two, like he, Phil Jackson was calling tick attack fouls against Jordan would piss Jordan off pretty much. Yeah. And, and then he was like, like you want to see a foul? And then he just pushed Jordan, uh, Kerr onto the ground. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy because he's like the smallest dude on the team. Yeah. <laughs> he's getting like bullied. But like awesome for Kerr because he didn't back down and in it. Yeah. Um, Jordan's like, I respect him for that. Yeah. And I think that's when they like became a, a better unit. Yeah, like, you know, they kind of understood each other at that that point. Like, I don't know. Like, you see some of the kind of, like, cuts of, like, him talking to the players in general. When Pat is like, he's like, look at me. You know, it's like, what are you doing? You're not passing the ball right. And he's like, get that horse shit out of this over here. Or, like, he would, he would just constantly dog everyone during practice, and which is like, you know, it sucks. Like, uh, I think, who was it, Cartwright or maybe Paxton or one of the guys was like, yeah, like, if you think about it, he's a jerk, but did he win? Yeah. So he was a great teammate. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, it's you like, play for championships. Yeah. You would win your championships. Yeah. It's like, you just it was, have to play into the system. It's like the players were like, some of the role players were like, yeah, was it difficult to play with Michael? We're like, yeah, he was a jerk. But you know what? He won, so I couldn't say anything different because his tactics worked. Yeah. yeah, we can say that about Tom Brady and how intense he is Yeah, with players, like when they make mistakes. And he obviously everyone makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. But like, like you see him, how intense he is. Like, man, he's a jerk. It's like, look at 20 years or the 19 years he was with the Patriots. How successful yeah. were they? How many division titles did they win? How, how many Super Bowls they went to? You know, like, you know, nine yeah. Super Bowls. And that's insane, you know, nine or ten, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, like you, like those players, like almost get a pass to do cross the line. Like, uh, one of the players, I forget who it was saying like, yeah, Michael crossed the line many times. That was, you know, would, you know, any other players would have been kicked out of the game or practice, but it was Michael and he knew how to push buttons and to motivate people. And that's, that was the way to like get people going. So same thing with Brady, probably. Yeah, and, like, we can think of people that would want to have this, mm. but people wouldn't believe them. No. They wouldn't follow that leader if they were Michael. And LeBron could him. act like Michael all he wants, but his personality and his persona, no one's going to take it as seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, best one was in Cat when Cavaliers, uh, Jared Smith, when he, was it, dude, 
Was it what was that? He called a timeout or when he didn't have one or what was that? And it was a game one or two where they lost. Yeah, JR did a few boneheaded Yeah. Like imagine doing that constantly with Michael. You would not survive that team. Yeah, like um I remember watching a YouTube video of JR um not a JR Smith, but of just like stupid basketball plays like top mm-hmm. ten and JR Smith's done like three of them. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, he played LeBron, and who's supposed to be the big superstar leader, and he could get away with those kind of things, still be on the team. Like, I don't think when, when throughout this series I've seen any uh, outrageous mistakes by his teammates. Yeah, not when the game's on the line. No. Um, when you watch SportsCenter after, they show, like, bets that you had during, mm. the, during like, the Bulls seasons. Yeah. Like, how, like, you lost them. Yeah. All the games were like in the bag. It's like, all right, the Bulls are like minus fifteen. They're up sixteen. Well, they got the scrubs in. Got like you know, yeah. yeah Jordan's already in the bench at that point, and yeah, bench points. But, but yeah. yeah, so after this, um, the Space Jam and the Kerr fight, you get possibly what almost anyone would say is the best basketball team ever, and Kerr says. This was the best team he was a part of. And he won more games than them. Yeah. And he broke the record. Um, By one game. Warriors. But we'll talk about that. So they went 72 games in the season. They honestly, I remember a few of those games that they lost. Uh-huh. They could have won more. Yeah, that's what you were saying. I, remember, I I seen a lot of games that year. I didn't realize they kind of bagged it with two games left pretty much. So they could have won 74, you're saying. I think, yeah, they definitely could have gotten that close. Um, I remember one game that they blew against the Pacers. And they said they lost to the Sonics, too. Yes. I mean, they didn't lose much. Let's see if they have it. They, um, it was ridiculous. They were 72-10, and 10, obviously the best team, in, and they set all these records. Um I want to see who they lost to. Well, I'm going to basketball reference right now. Here it is. Okay. Uh, they went undefeated in January. <laughs> let's see. Uh, four since March. When March started, they had four losses. Jeez. Um, so basically half. So, yeah. So once March hit around, like it was, it was a done deal. Yeah. I mean, the, so the players reference shoot. Um, let's see if I can do Wikipedia. Yeah, uh, um, teams they lost to. They lost to Charlotte once. Uh-huh. Denver. They lost two to Indiana. To Indiana. Oh wow. One to Miami. Mm-hmm. One to the Knicks. One to the Magic. One to the Suns. Wow. One to Seattle. One to Toronto. Oh, there. Yeah, I see it. Jeez. Yeah. And I don't know which ones were, you know, possible winnable games. Denver, Charlotte, yeah, to Indiana, Miami. Yeah, but yeah, someone on the team was like looking at the schedule and they're like, we may not lose for like thirty straight games. Yeah, yeah. They also Phoenix too, Seattle. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, it was insane. Like, I remember vaguely because that was the same season, maybe or season before, where Detroit Red Wings won. The most NHL games. It might have been the 
With the Russian five? Yeah, yeah, Russian five, yeah. Um, they lost in the finals to the Devils that year. I remember that. So it might have been the same year or the year before where um, the Red Wings won like 68 games or something, which was the highest in, in NHL at that time. Here's, here's the bad losses that the Bulls had that year. We mentioned Toronto. Toronto had 21 wins. Uh-huh. And Charlotte was 500. So those are the only two, like, Teams. I wonder when they lost those games. Yeah, I don't know. And, yeah. and at least where I'm at right now, they don't show the Western Conference records. So, uh, yeah, so the bad loss was definitely Toronto. And you could argue Charlotte, but we'll get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So the Bulls, they basically just roll into the playoffs. Obviously. Yeah. He, and then they get a revenge against uh, the Orlando and they crush them. <laughs> four, they sweep them for nothing in the conference finals. Yeah, they they <laughs> they swept the Heat in the first round. They beat the Knicks four to one. Yep. Yeah, and then yeah, like their revenge, they just dominate. It just shows you how much they were prepared for, and how and how much that Jordan remembers what happened the year before. Yeah, and they go against Seattle, and people are like, "All right, well, this is the done deal. They're going to win these four. And you know, well, they were up three nothing, right? They were up three nothing, so it was basically a done deal, and they kind of like let off the gas. And this finals was an interesting finals because we go, they go over it a little bit, mm-hmm. and, um, and we'll get into this right now. Um, Michael Jordan is with somebody at a restaurant, and this super, Seattle SuperSonics coach comes in. And Michael's like, I oh, know I'm gonna say hi to him, and you know, mm, see what's going on. Yeah. And he says, and this is according to what Michael Jordan's story. George Carl just walks right by him and doesn't acknowledge him. He's like, all right, I'm gonna remember that. <laughs> so basically, he inadvertently or purposefully set something off that he could have avoided. <laughs> yeah. And and he goes and he's like you know like he should have said hi like we both went to Carolina like under Dean Smith yeah like we obviously know each other because we're big basketball people that like, was a, that was the thing that got me I was like shit I totally forgot that he was a UNC alum also or worked with uh, Dean Smith I was like why don't you say something to your fellow UNC like yeah and that that is very rare like you don't hear that yeah like that must have really pissed them off because. You know, you have Dean Smith, like this Hall of Fame coach, mm-hmm. common and, you know, at least have, say hi. So he doesn't say hi, and now it's 3 nothing. <laughs> Battles down. And yeah. then Coach Carl is like, you know what, I'll put Gary Payton on. on yeah, I don't understand why he wasn't doing that from the get-go. No one un- – I don't understand, but this is what I was told by George Carl. They mm-hmm. talked to him on Scott Van Pelt, the Sports Center after. Yeah, and he confirmed that yeah, he walked by him <laughs> and, didn't, and didn't acknowledge him. Oh god! Then, like you don't want to say anything to him and piss him off. <laughs> so he is. His plan was to not say anything, so he wouldn't piss him off. But so by not saying anything, he it was backfired. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, doomed <laughs> either way. He has no win situation. <laughs> yeah, basically. And and he also said like Gary Payton had like a slight a slight tweak 
in mm-hmm. his ankle or something, so he mm-hmm. wasn't 100%. Uh-huh. But he was a defensive player of the year. Yeah. Not even 100%. He's probably better than... Whoever the two that's covering Michael at that point. I don't know who it was. Mullen, Chris Mullen. Not Mullen wasn't playing. It was Pacer. I don't know who was playing. Yeah, but either way, I don't see how you could have someone that good on your team. Not use them properly. Yeah. But, I mean, game four and five, they finally put Peyton on Jordan, and it worked, according to Peyton. But according to Jordan, it was like, no, I had all those things in my mind. It wasn't because Peyton was that good. <laughs> yeah, and he laughed, and then you find out. And I'll go into that in a second. There's a little teaser. Mm-hmm. Here's the roster. Here's some players you might know. Percy Hawkins. Oh, yeah, I remember him. Um, obviously, Sean Camp. Nate McMillan. <sighs> Sam Perkins. Is Shrimp there? Yep, deadlift shrimp. Man, he was a weird guy. (laughs) And here's the MVP of the team, Eric Snow. (laughs) Oh, God, I totally forgot he played for uh, Supersonics. Yeah, Eric Snow, born in 1973. Deadlift shrimp was born in 63. Oh, wow. He was old by that time. Yeah, Yeah. I could see deadlift not guarding him because he's, you know, 30. He's around the same age. Mm -hmm, 30 something, yeah. yeah. It's not the same. And this guy's age is not. Yeah. But um, it's Eric Snow, so he lost two finals, huh? Yep. Well, he played for uh, – he lost to Cleveland one, too. Or did he win with Cleveland? No. They have a photo of him on Cleveland's team. Let's see. I think he lost in the finals with LeBron, the first final that LeBron uh, was in. So he lost three finals. Yeah, he didn't win any. Yeah. Damn. That sucks. I didn't realize. I, I I know that we got Eric Snow from the Pistons in '98, so he must have moved around after that. Um, um. So what you find out is, yeah, he's like laughing. He's like, "Hey, man, Gary Payton wasn't going to guard me." Yeah. And it's like, hey, this is Father's Day, right around Father's Day. And but this is why I love the episode. It's like it it's hitting home for for Jordan, and you know his dad's not there. Mm-hmm. To watch him in the championship, and he's always watched him in these championship games. Yep. So that was in the back of his mind, I think, all throughout the finals. Yeah, and they they talked to him about it. He ends up winning the championship on Father's Day, and like the scene that is memorable that everyone saw before. But he goes in a lock. He takes the basketball. Mm-hmm. Like his teammate is like, like you know, like screw yeah. like, this is my ball. Yeah, and he's just like crying on the ground. In the locker room with it by himself. This it's so in it's so important for him in so many levels. Like his first time he won without his dad seeing it. It was a redemption. Like I could still come back after not playing for two years and still win. You know that was another thing I think that was heavy in his mind. Um, three it was just probably a, a pressure lifted off of himself. Like I still have it. You know what I mean. He proved himself that he still could do it. But, yeah, like, you know, he was getting emotional while he was getting interviewed, uh, and then he just lost it when he went to the locker room. Like, he was on the ground. That was crazy. Yeah, and, you know, you, you feel really bad for him because, you know, you like you realize how close he was mm-hmm. to his father and that his father not being there mm-hmm. after all he's been through in the last year to come back and, you know, have the best team ever, which – they had 87 wins, 
best winning percentage ever. Yeah. Um, which goes back to the Kerr thing when he talked about this is the best team ever. You know, Jordan was able to come back and hit a level that he's never hit before. It's all he wasn't even better before, after he came back. And, old, and when he was older, he was better. It's crazy. that. Yeah. It blows my mind how, like, the 96, 97, 98 teams, how yeah. good, like, they were and determined he was to, like, leave that legacy. He won – so watch, another thing I didn't realize, he won every single finals MVP he played. It's like, who else would you give it to? <laughs> I mean, that's crazy to win six finals MVP. Like, Kobe won five uh, championships. He only won one finals MVP. And that one was even kind of iffy. Yeah, exactly. Paul Gasol was a beast. He said that, yeah, he was. Gasol should have won that. Yeah, I remember saying, I was like, this is bullcrap. Like, Paul Gasol just put up a double-double. Every. Seven. And, like, she put up ten points or whatever. And he won that. He averaged a double-double. Like, how do you not get it? Yeah, I think it was his. That was the last one, right? Number five that he won the MVP. I think, I think they were like, "Oh, we gotta give it to him." Because I think Shaq won three in a row. Maybe the first three it was all Shaq. I think my at least two of them. But but yeah, like Jordan won every single <laughs> every single MVP in every single finals he played. <laughs> Which is insane. I mean, the fact that he was like thirty mid thirties and still winning MVP—that's crazy. Yeah, all three NBA Finals MVP three years in a row. Uh, that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that means you're like the that's that's Michael Jordan level, you know? Yeah. Like how many people have won back to back to back and was the MVP in all four? Oh, finals? yeah. It's like you don't hear that. At all, and you know it is insane. Like, and then you look back at it. Like, I know Pippen was one of the better players in the NBA at that time. Other than Larry Bird, like every other team had a second superstar. Like Magic, uh, Magic Johnson had Kareem. Doctor J had Moses. Um, even in the eighties, and and then Bill Russell had uh, Elgin Baylor. Yeah, you know. had too. Like James Worthy was with Magic Johnson too. Yeah. So like, from for Jordan to do it with really good players, but Pippen was a semi superstar. I'm not. I, I don't know if he was like a leading superstar. You know what I mean? Like Kareem. Like, would you put Kareem and Pippen in the same boat? I don't think so. I'll put Kareem over Pippen. I'll put Moses over Pippen. Um, I would put. I mean, I guess Isaiah. One, two with like cast of characters, but you know, he Lambeer wasn't bad, I guess. But uh, well, he, Isaiah had what's the other guy? Dumars was pretty, he was a pretty uh, superstar. Yeah, he was like the next in line for the Olympic um team and for the dream team. Yeah, Joe Dumars. Yeah, uh, so like I feel like Jordan at the end of the day did more with less cast of characters, like. The reason no, we were like Pippen was no slouch, like he was the fifth pick in the draft. No, no, he wasn't, and I, wasn't, I don't want to. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't bad, but the fact that like, you know, like you weren't expecting what you got out of him. When exactly. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, and then you have Shaq and Kobe, two superstars. You know, 
and then at the 2000 was pretty much like, you know, kind of fabricating and mixing superstars together. But yeah, like, I feel like Jordan, when you look back at these teams, like, it's like Jordan and Pippen and a bunch of side characters. Like, Rodden was an amazing defensive player, but he didn't score. Like, you're not going to find any scoring from him. But yeah, I mean, to win 72 games, that was insane. I, I, I mean, at that, I was like 12 or 13, and I still remember watching some of the games because it was like the thing to watch because it was amazing to watch them play as a team. Yeah, so we're going to start wrapping this um, podcast up. The things that did happen in 98, um, they go over the playoff mm-hmm. series against the Hornets in which the Bulls finally they get their first playoff loss. They swept yeah. the first round. Uh, they beat the Nets and then play the Hornets. Yeah, John Calipari's Nets. Let's not. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> they mentioned that, and I was like, oh, yeah, Calipari was. Uh, and then he got fired, and then he uh, was assistant with Larry Brown for, like, yeah. a couple of years before he went to yeah. college. He credits, yeah, he credits Larry Brown for a lot, that he learned a lot under him. Mm-hmm. Um, so BJ Armstrong is on the '98 Hornets team, very un unmatched. Um, mm. But BJ Armstrong goes off because he knows what to expect from them, and then talks trash. He looks at them, the bench, and just like talks trash, which is mistake number one. Even like Glenn Rice, <laughs> he's, he's like when I when I saw him do that, I was like, oh, pissed up, Michael. <laughs> If you haven't, yeah. If you haven't paid attention, a common theme is don't give Jordan and the Bulls any type of fodder to like think about because they're going to destroy you if you do. Yeah, not only that they'll win, they'll destroy you, embarrass you the next game. Yeah, and yeah, and if you don't give them fodder, apparently sometimes Michael Jordan makes it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's funny because, like, uh, I I remember uh, Glenn Robinson saying after the game, it's like, oh, man, we woke Michael up. <laughs> it's like they knew. They knew they pissed him off. And, it, and then the next game, Armstrong had two points while Michael had, like, 28 points or something. It's like, oh, God. No, that's, that's how they played. They loved, you know, those kind of, like, they – they wanted people to like talk trash because that motivated them even more. It's like you're talking trash to one of the best team ever. Like really? Okay. We'll show you the next game. <laughs> yeah. So um, the two other things I wanted to go over, um, there's a quote that I love by his agent. And it was basically like how Jordan perceives his career is that, you know, people are going to come out, they're going to bring people, they're going to watch him for three hours. He has an obligation to give people their, like, all of himself, like, the best he can be. And you don't see that anywhere in sports anymore. Like, that's something, you know, athletes have lost. And that, that coming from a superstar is even amazing, where a superstar could just go about, you know, he doesn't have to do that. His talents could carry him enough but Jordan wants to take that extra step and make sure, like, he gives everything possible just to show people. Because, like, there was, I think he said, like, there's there might be people who have never saw me before, and I want to show him 
I want to show them the best, you know, possible game ever. And that's how he played probably every game. Like, at least every game I've seen him play on TV. Yeah, and there's teams that you see and in, 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 in the NBA right now that they kind of coast through the regular season. season. Yeah. And they, there's like, all right, well, we're making the playoffs. We will win the big games that we need to to solidify a certain position mm-hmm. head to head. And, you know, then I'll turn it on. Yeah, and that's not the mentality of the Bulls and Jordan because Jordan. Do you think game. you think Jordan played load, did load management <laughs> like nowadays, like Embiid and Kawhi? He would probably freak out if, if yeah. Jackson was like he's sitting down for load management. And they played more rougher game back in the day than now, and he still played all games pretty much. Yeah. Um. So the last, the next two episodes are the final, final episodes and the Bulls and 98 are now in the conference finals. They're playing Reggie Miller and the Pacers who have a nasty squad. People you're pulling them. You'll know oh, that uh, Jalen Rose, Reggie Miller. They had Chris Mullen, Mullen. Chris Mullen. Yeah. And yeah, we're going to find out like who they had because yeah. there's two episodes and they're in the conference finals. So they have two series to go through. And then they play the Jets. So they're going to concentrate on the 98 team and the 97 team because they go back and forth on uh, flashbacks. So you're going to see the Jazz teams kind of get uh, spotlighted for those both episodes because they played back-to-back uh, finals against both, uh, Jazz. Yeah, and so. uh, um, this ends with Reggie Miller giving like a nasty teaser, like the best – the best ending you could do of an episode and they briefly talk about it mm-hmm. and Reggie Miller was talking about what he wanted to accomplish and I quote this is it you're going to retire Michael Jordan <laughs> like well, that's how we looked at the series and the kind of confidence he had that his team is that good that they're going to retire him finally yeah and beat Michael Jordan if only people didn't know what happened, they were like, "Oh my god, it might happen." <laughs> like, imagine if this was like right now. People are like, yeah. "Oh my god," you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like Michael Jordan's going to retire because Reggie Miller's going to, you know, get him finally. Mm. But uh, no, I mean, uh, this the thing about these series is that they set set this episodes up really well in a cliffhanger where, like, oh man, it's like I know what what's going to happen, but I just want to know the inside story of with more details, which that's the main thing about this episode. It's like, I know how they got there, but I don't know the inner workings of everything that happened. And we learned so much that I had no idea about that team and about NBA back in the day. Yeah. And it, I love the way the series is going. I do wish we would have more 98 stuff. Yeah. In some of the earlier episodes. They kind of cruise through that season pretty quickly. Yeah, but I do love that it's two episodes per week. Yeah, if it was one, that would they would just make it a little too long of a series to wait. Week. I think people would just lose kind of like concentration and not really watch the whole thing. Then, I mean, I'm assuming this is uh, done with HBO or Netflix. Netflix. So, so after, Netflix will have all the episode after the after probably Sunday. Yeah, I think it's great that you can't binge this. 
because like we're talking about all these intricate things. But if I binged it, how many of these things would I like? You know, you I would have missed so many things because you know, watching ten hours of documentary, I'm bound to miss the smaller ask like the BG Armstrong things. Like you know, we will just skim over it because we'll try to get the main points if we watch 10 episodes two all together. So. Yeah. And I think it's great that you do these two. And then the people that were involved in these two, mm-hmm. you know, they go out and they get interviewed and they talk about it. And then you yeah. have more stories about it. And it's a perfect time because there's nothing going on. So you could get these people like live interviews right after the, you know, this episode is over. Yeah. Like George Carl was on uh sports center yeah. right after it aired to confirm that, yeah, he screwed up. <laughs> and then the week before Barkley was in uh, episode two uh, or in ESPN. So. Yeah. yeah, and I've seen um, a few. Van Patrick gets a lot of people on his show. Mm-hmm. I saw Patrick Ewing was on there, and that was really interesting. Yeah, and he said he didn't watch. He hasn't watched any of it because he doesn't want to go through the pain again. <laughs> yeah, like he's like, I lived it. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I saw the stat of the team that played the Bulls the most in the playoffs. Yeah. And it was the Knicks. And they lost every single series. Yeah. Every time Jordan was a part of them, they lost. Yeah. 27 times. Oh, yeah, that's right. They won uh, the one when Jordan wasn't playing. Yeah. So, of course, like, I wouldn't want to watch it. Yeah. Like, I know what the outcome is 100% of the time. <laughs> yeah. They, that's the thing about Ewing. He could never win the big one except the George, Georgetown one year. Yeah. Now, the thing is, in this interview with Patrick Ewing, yeah. he mentions that he was – this close to going to UNC. Really? It would have been Ewing and Jordan together. And, like, imagine, like, what everything would have changed. Did Ewing go to the draft the year after Jordan, right? Because he was number one yes. after Jordan. Yep. And who knows? They could have, if they went together, they could have stayed and Probably got out a yeah. year and then been one and two in the draft. Like, who knows what could have happened? If Ewing and Jordan went. I think they would have won. Ewing would have won like two, at least two, championship. Definitely, because they went to the final four. Jordan uh, did his see his junior year. The year that Villanova won. No, that he, he was. This was eighty four. Okay, it might have been Georgetown that won it. Okay, all right. And I think they lost to Houston. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, like, and Patrick Ewing says that Dean Smith told him. If he doesn't choose UNC, he should go to Georgetown. Oh, so you kind of gave yeah. Yeah, and Dean Smith and the Georgetown coach, um, John Uh, were, like, close. Yeah. So he just respected him enough to be like, hey, man, I'm going to give you a recommendation. Yeah, if you don't like coming here, then, yeah, go to Georgetown. And Georgetown, when Ewing was there, they went to two finals and lost one of Villanova, won one the year after, I feel, so – they were a powerhouse with the Ewing. But, yeah, I mean, that's crazy how things, small things change the whole history of certain sports or events, you know? Yeah, it's just like if he decides to go to this this other game, you know, this other school, like what changes? Or, like, what if uh, Portland picked Michael Jordan, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to – I know – North Carolina played Georgetown in 82. I'm trying to see if Ewing was a part of that team as well. So yeah, he was a part of them. He was a freshman too. Okay, wow. 
So Ewing, I think, did the four, three years or four years. I don't, I forget. Uh, but uh, yeah, man. I mean, I think you. I feel bad for Ewing now. It's like he was one of the most like, not cursed, but like bad luck. Like he just played great teams at the wrong time. I mean, yeah. You put him in any other era, and the yeah. seventy-two dude wins championships. Yeah. Like you feel so bad for him. <laughs> yeah. And then he had a great coach in the nineties. Patrick Pat, uh, Pat Riley was the coach, mm-hmm. and they couldn't do anything. Like they went to one final with him, but you know that's that's yeah. another thing. Like I was watching the episode, I was like, man, who would I pick, Pat Riley or Phil Jackson as a coach? That's a tough one, I think. Yeah, I would I would probably choose Phil Jackson just because I like the, his personality a little bit better. Yeah, Pat Riley. I mean, he won with. Superstar in L.A. And then he won with superstars in um, Miami, pretty much, because Shaq, Shaq and Wade, the first one, and then LeBron. I mean, he wasn't even coaching the when LeBron won, but it was still he's a GM of that team. Yeah. He, uh, I'm looking him up right now. He actually was a seventh pick in the draft. Who was? <laughs> Pat Riley. For what team? Um, the San Diego Rockets. <laughs> oh, God. Became a Houston Rockets, I guess? Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of weird because you always think Houston Rockets started, you know. Because of the um, space <laughs> program and all that. Maybe, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he won, what, four or five with uh, L.A.? Uh, he was a five, he's a five-time head coaching champion. So he won four with LA. He um, won three times in the nineties, Coach of the Year. Uh-huh. So you know, he mean, also as an assistant and as a player, and three times as an executive. So you got three, eight, nine, ten-time champion. I, I, the one reason I Pat Riley did it with, I mean, I guess Phil Jackson did the same thing because he won with. Bulls and then LA and then was it one as a player too? I I think it was two as a player. So Phil Jackson has thirteen total. I believe so. That's crazy. I mean to win that many championship. No wonder he wasn't a coach anymore. He's like I have nothing to prove anymore. I just want to go to my ranch in Montana and be a Buddhist. Oh. <laughs> Isn't he married to like uh, the owner of L- L- uh, Lakers owners? Uh, Jerry Buss's doc- daughter. Yeah. Who's the owner now? I think so. Yeah, because Jerry Buss is dead, I think, right? Yeah, unless they, unless Phil Jackson got a divorce. But, <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yeah. Um, I heard some crazy stat that like since I couldn't even tell you when, it was like eight or nine championships or cha- um, teams have won championships in the NBA. And it goes like thirty some years. Yeah, it's not many that that's not many teams, man. It's always the same team over and over again. Yeah. You can basically take it like to the Sixers. Yeah, like, but add like another team. Because it's been like the Lakers, the Bulls, the Pistons, Miami I mean, two times. Yeah. And then until recently you didn't have Cleveland and Golden State. That, San Antonio two yeah, times. Yeah. Yeah, San Antonio and then Houston. Yeah. Like every team had won at least twice. <laughs> And it's like this long... Well, if you go in the 60s, it's kind of the same. So you have the... Yeah, this was like three decades long. Celtics won multiple. Sixers won two. 
I mean, you have the Atlantas. New York won too. We have Atlanta Hawks who won like a one year, which is kind of weird. I never knew that. Uh, and then like eighties was like Celtics, Lakers, and Sixers. That was the three teams that won in one decade. Well, here we go, right? <laughs> yeah. Nineteen eighty. We'll just start there. All right. The Lakers. Uh-huh. Houston. Uh, Houston won in eighty one. Yeah, somehow they beat the Celtics. <laughs> oh, because Moses was in that team. Okay. Yeah. And it goes back to the Lakers, who won four. Uh-huh. Then it goes back to the Rockets. Wow, Houston won again. Yeah, isn't that? And then it goes back to the Lakers for three more. Jeez. So right there, we just uh-huh. basically go through all the 80s with two teams, the Lakers and Houston. No, four and, teams. Yeah, four. and then 1990 goes... Pistons. Um, I'm sorry. I said Houston. I meant Boston. Boston, yeah. No, I was looking at it wrong. I'm looking at the left. All right, uh-huh. so retract. Retract. All right, Houston, yeah. Did they lost them to Boston. So what happened? What? So it goes L.A., Boston, L.A., Boston, L.A. Okay. Yeah, Houston was a team that lost. Yeah, they didn't win. So, yeah, yeah the way I looked at it was wrong. Yeah, I was like, wait, what? Has a Houston won? <laughs> I was just looking at the team on the left. I wasn't looking at the team that was highlighted in yellow. That was the Sanford Championship. I was like, wait. I was like, I was like, Houston won twice in the 80s? I'm like, I know they won in the 90s. Until I got to well, then went in 1990. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I was like, no. Yeah, so it goes the Lakers, 1980. Lakers, Boston, Sixers. Okay. Boston and the Lakers throughout the rest of the 80s until Detroit. Exactly. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so then it goes Chicago, so that's the fifth team. Uh, Houston twice. And now we're going to 99 with the Suns. So seven teams won it in 20 years, and then we keep going. No, Suns didn't win, man. You're looking at the wrong first, one again. First, my bad. Jesus. <laughs> I don't know how to read. That's <laughs> the Spurs. Steve National won a championship. Calm down. <laughs> yeah, it goes the Spurs, Lakers, Spurs. Then it goes back to Detroit. Then back to the Spurs. And then we finally add another team. Miami. And then kill Cleveland and Warriors, uh, Mavericks. I guess you got a little bit of change now. Yeah. But if you really wanted to, you can go – if you stop before Dallas, you can just say like five – like six teams. Six teams. Six teams in 30 years. That's insane. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, the NBA has never been a, it's a top-heavy league, always. It's always been. You're going to have the first four teams have a really good record on each conference, and then you're going to have the eight, seventh and eighth seed with a losing record going into the playoffs. And it was like that in the 80s with the Bulls, getting into as an eighth or seventh seed playing the Boston, and they had a losing record. So it's not just now. It's been like that forever. As we end this podcast, I'm going to have two quiz questions for you. Okay. Um, who's won more championships, Boston or or L.A.? I think it's Boston, right? No. Oh, it was Minnesota Lakers won a couple championships. That doesn't really count, man. <laughs> it counts for their record. I guess, yeah, now, yeah. Who has the better record in the finals, L.A. or Boston? Boston. You want to guess what the record is? 
they've won a 20 championships or they've won 20 championships just so you know they're 20 and 5 um they've gone to 20 oh they've um, gone 20 i think they're 15 and 5 17 and 3 wow that's really good i know right wow yep and then when you add 20 10 they're 17 and 4 Okay, so seven, ten, and four. So the the three they lost was probably all to Lakers. Yeah, in the eighties. Yeah, I don't like to include the twenty ten because that was BS. <laughs> was that the year that uh, we almost beat them? The uh, Sixers. I think so. With the uh, Iguodala, where we lost, uh, we Jalen Rose got hurt, and uh, we beat. Uh, Chicago in the first round. Derrick Rose got hurt, not Jalen Rose. Right? I think so. And then uh, we played um, uh, we played Celtics and we lost in game seven. And I think they ended up going to the finals that year. Yeah, the Celtics in the Eastern Finals beat the Pistons. So when did we play them? The second round. Right? No, maybe not. Maybe that was the year Cavs went to the finals. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's like this article is super long. Yeah. <laughs> um, you were the seventh seed at 40 and 42. Who? Sixers? So we played, yeah. So we would have played Detroit in 2008. So, 2008? Yeah. I was talking about 2010, that the, the year that Celtics lost to the... Um, the Celtics yeah. beat the Magic in the playoffs. Okay. So, let's see. Where were we? We didn't even make the playoffs that year. Oh, no. You 27 wins, bro. <laughs> uh, my bad. Oh, you're right, you're right. We were bad. So. The Celtics won 50 games that year. Cavs won 61 games that year. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. No, it's a it's crazy how few teams win championship in uh, NBA. But that's why I think NFL is such a bigger sport because it's the parity is way better. Even though like Patriots won six, even with that, you have te- new teams winning every almost like every other year. Yeah, or at least the team in the finals that's are different. It's like you know, like if you look at the NFL in the last twenty years, you have a couple of teams in multiple championship. Obviously, the Patriots and then Giants. But other than that, who else won multiple? None. None. And you can look. The Eagles won one for the first time. Seattle won. Yeah, Seattle won. You had Kansas City win for the first time in 50 years. Yeah, and then you had... Um, yeah, you had yeah, the so, Rams appear. What's that? Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay won one year. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah Pittsburgh won. Well, Pittsburgh won twice also. So, in 20 years, 10, 10 of those were won by multiple. Three of the three, three teams. It's still pretty good, I would say. So every other year, it's a new te- new team winning a championship. So, yeah. But, all right. Well, thanks, Zahid, for joining the podcast, and thank you guys for listening. Um, 
be uh, be sure to check out the final episodes. They appear if you can't watch them live at um, on ESPN at nine o'clock. You can probably check them out on Netflix. Probably all ten of them. Or just listen to the podcast because we'll explain everything that happened. <laughs> and there'll be no need to watch it. <laughs> Deep, all the details. Yeah, but uh, thanks for listening. Stay safe. Thanks for heat for. Hey, good to be here. Um, I'll see you next time. All right. Thanks.